Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
So it's in this era that you write the song Five O'Clock World. Is this accurate? Yeah. Dickie and I had spent a couple of years in Beaumont, Texas with Jack Clement, who had built a studio down there with a guy named Bill Hall. He wanted us to move down there and write songs. And so we did. We moved down there and spent a couple of years. Then we moved back to Memphis and signed a contract with uh, Screen Gems that carried a small advance, but not enough to feed me and my family. So I took a day job with the First National Bank, now called First Horizon. So I was, you know, moonlighting the music for about five and a half years there. Wrote that song during that time. It was right out of my life. I, I got the melody first, and then one day I came home from work and seemed like uh, I was ready to write those words. That's where the song came from. Now, you have said in another interview that you generally write the melodies first, and every songwriter has their sort of own methodology. Some start with the words, some start with the melodies, some it comes to them in combination, I've learned, and there's no rules or rhymes or, or reasons for this, but is that accurate that most of your songs start with the melody? Um, I don't know if most, but a good many of them have, and um, that may be because I just, um, I don't know what's behind that. It's just kind of how it happened with me. Five O'Clock World, the melody came to me just messing around in my writing room, and then it kind of was with me for a number of weeks until the moment happened. But that's been true with a few other songs that I've written. Sometimes everything comes together, the music and the lyric. Sometimes you sit down with the title and start with that and work your way through. But some of my songs have come melody first. Dreaming My Dreams With You was such a song. So up every morning just to keep a job, this is like you thinking, God, I'm tired of writing songs at night and I got to go to this national bank to go work. Oh, yeah, it was totally accurate. I mean, that was right out of my life at that time. Like I say, I, I moonlighted the music, and more than a few times I was up in a recording studio until the sun was coming up and made it home in time to shower and get to the bank and to be at my desk at 8 o'clock. And there's a 5 o'clock me inside my clothes. and that's So when you're at the bank, all you're thinking about is the 5 o'clock whistle? You know, I never did any job halfway, so I put my back into my work, even at the bank, but it was never what I wanted to do. It was good for me, and I think it taught me a lot, and I've never regretted it, but the song Five O'Clock World really was kind of an assertion of my real self, you know, saying, after I check out of work, it's my life and my world, and that's where I was happier. <laughs> I always love to talk with songwriters about the non-word sounds that come into a song, and, and this has yodeling in it, at least in the first version of some, some sorts of yodeling. What, like, how did that come to you as you were singing the song? Did you like run out of words to say, so you just fill in, or...? No, I, actually, I had the song when I finally had it written, just in singing it, that just kind of occurred to me one day when I was sitting there singing my song, and uh, I liked it. It was just kind of a hooky sound. It, you know, uh, Hal Ketchum later recorded that song in Nashville and had a good record on it. 
in the country market, and he sang Yoda Lady. I didn't sing that. I, I just made some sounds. And I liked the feel of that, and it just sort of seemed, uh, it was kind of a hooky little thing. And once I came up with that, I thought, this is a hit song. You felt you had a hit there, huh? Yeah. And you did with the Vogues. Tell me about that. How did it get to the Vogues? A lot of people don't know who the Vogues are, perhaps. You know, when you write a song, you want to make a demonstration recording. So in the business, they call it a demo. Back then, Dickie and I were writing for Screen Gems, and we would write up a batch of songs and then come to Nashville on a weekend and um, demo the songs. And, and then the publishing company would use those demos to go out and present the songs to people and try to get them recorded. So we demoed the song in Nashville. The band was a group of guys who had been in Muscle Shoals with Rick down there, Rick Hall. And they had left Muscle Shoals and moved to Nashville and were kind of getting their feet under them up here. And the Screen Gems representative that ran the office here hired them. We cut the song that day. And I never heard of the Vogues, but the publishing company pitched it to this independent record company and this group up in Pittsburgh, I think, or Philadelphia. Anyway, they tried to cut it a couple of times and, and didn't feel like they hooked it, and they asked the publisher if they could have the demo track. And they took my voice off and put their voices on, and I think they added strings. That was their record, but it was cut here in Nashville as a demo. Most of the actual track was from your Nashville demo. Right. The guys that were playing on that were uh, David Briggs, Norbert Putnam, Chip Young, Matt Gaden, and um, Jerry Kerrigan on drums. Wow, actually some legends there, huh? Yeah, those were legendary players. I'd like to say they were in their early days of being in Nashville, and uh, they were a perfect group for that song. And so this goes to number four in the pop chart. It's your first sort of top 10 pop chart song while you're working at the bank. How does this feel? Like It felt great. It was very encouraging. And um, I thought it might make me enough money to spring me loose, but it didn't quite do that. But it did give me a whole lot of confidence. And it made me some money uh, that, that was helpful eventually in making the shift from Memphis to Nashville. So this song was later recorded by Hal Ketchum, as you mentioned, but also Julian Cope, Ballistic Kisses, Bowling for Soup. It was used in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. It was a theme song during the second season of the Drew Carey show. Right. Like, I know you didn't expect that when you wrote the song, but like, how do you feel about all those different interpretations? I mean, there's a lot there in that question. I feel good about it. It's um, always encouraging when a song you write travels well, and this has been one of those songs. What do you think of the Ballistic Kisses version of the song? You know, I, I haven't heard that. You haven't heard? I'll have to send that to you. How about the Julian Copes? Have you heard his version? I heard Julian's, yes, and, uh, but, but not the Ballistic Kisses. Now, the Hal Ketchum one, did you produce that one? I co-produced that with uh, Jim Rooney. Hal came to us from uh, Texas, the Austin area. He wanted to record it. He told me he had he had sung it in clubs down there. I never would have thought of it, of pitching it to him. And I was a little skeptical about cutting it. I wasn't sure that it was 
the right thing for the market that he was going to be presented to, the country market. But uh, he really wanted to do it, and I sure had no objection. I, I loved Hal's singing. I was uh, surprised by it and really pleased. It's a bit slower than the original version. It seemed to suit him really well. It went to number 16 in the country charts, so people liked it. This first phase of your career, you, you and Dickie and yourself on your own wrote a bunch of songs that got recorded. I've lived a lot in my time. Take Me Home, Johnny Cash. The Dodo, which I love by Jumpin' Gene Simmons. And this is kind of like in that sort of Ray Stevens novelty song, um, <laughs> Ketter. Don't Want to Think About Paula with Dickie, Big Brother. Impressions by the Jones Boys, which was you and Dickie not being the collegiates. You had to form a different thing called the Jones Boys. And that's a really great song that's out there. I don't think it's on Spotify, but you can find it on YouTube. Big Brother, The Moods of Mary, like this body of songs that kind of get recorded, but not breaking through until Five O'Clock World breaks through as your breakout song. Is that an accurate depiction kind of, I mean, some of those may have been before or after Five O'Clock World, but all those songs you wrote in this time period and some got recorded, were you thinking like, this could be my break each time or... Well, you know, I was always hopeful. A lot of these songs uh, that you're naming were written during that period when I was living in Memphis and working for the bank and moonlighting the music. I was very naive about that. It was like when I first became acquainted with the music business, the most visible thing was cutting a hit record or being a recording artist. And I had always enjoyed singing and, and I enjoyed making records, but I'm so glad that I never succeeded in recording a hit record because I would have not had a happy life as a recording artist, I don't think. I'm much more introverted, and I just don't think I would have. It's a, it's a tough life being a recording artist. I don't think I would have prospered in that role. But back during that time, we were trying to break out big. One opportunity to do that was by getting a hit record. You know, I've I've heard this from many of the songwriters on the show. You know, I can think of Kai Fleming and Kent Blasey and even Stevens and Aaron Barker, all of whom dabbled in performing on their own and kind of realized it wasn't for them. And it's this hard vagabond life. And you always have to have a smile on your face, even if you don't feel the greatest. Whenever you're talking to the audience and you're in these buses or cars or vans for these long road trips between gigs, and it takes a certain person to do that, you know? It really does. Whereas the songwriting takes another kind of person, <laughs> you know? I've always told people if you could make it work, the songwriting was the best gig in the business because you didn't have to have much equipment or anything. I mean, you really don't need anything. Known people who wrote songs who, who didn't play an instrument and could barely sing at all. I've known people who had success as songwriters who could barely carry a tune. It's pretty remarkable, but mostly it's a lightweight kind of thing. You don't have to have much equipment. A guitar and, and a little recording device of some kind that you can put ideas on is about all you really need. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.